I'm very thoughtful about what I will or won't spend money on. I really think about it. I think deeply on is this going to, is a new pair of shoes going to actually bring me more happiness and joy in life? Welcome to the Quit Work Podcast, 15-minute conversations with people who have quit their job and gone their own way. I'm Mark, and today I'm talking to Maggie Tucker, co-host of the Friends on Fire podcast, who quit work forever last week after just 20 years in corporate America. Maggie, welcome to the Quit Work Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. It sounds so real when you say quit work forever. <laughs> yeah. Is it feeling that real before I even said that, or uh, you're not quite there yet? No, I'm not quite there yet. It's too soon. It's, you yeah. know, I'm about 48 hours in, so it does not feel real yet. And yeah, I just, it doesn't feel real. I'll leave it at that. I'm sure it will eventually. So I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity here because I've been listening to you and Mike on the Friends on Fire podcast for so long. So, I mean, first of all, congratulations on early retirement at such a young age. I guess, as you say, it hasn't hit yet, but do you have any inkling yet how it feels to be work-free? That's a good question. By, by the way, thank you for having, having me on. I'm excited to be here. And, you know, how it feels, I'll say the early feelings, because again, I, I, my husband and I did this together, Friday, you know, a few days ago was our last day. And we've had a really busy time with our three kids and a bunch of stuff happening at their school. And so it doesn't really feel real yet. But I will say the early feelings of it are just the, the margin, right? Having some additional margin in our lives. And yeah. even though we have a bunch of things going on and our, our, we're in a busy season with our kids right now and some personal things going on, pulling one big, you know, really large piece out of the equation it does yes. immediately, I mean, I, I immediately feel like something has been kind of lifted off my chest, if you will. And so yeah. that feels good. And I, I'm not fully where I want to be, obviously, and I don't expect to be there in two days. But I, I, I can see the you know, light at the end of the tunnel, if you will. 20 years of work sometimes feels like it's just one long sprint. You have vacations, but it can be so full on. And I imagine particularly having kids as well, that's a very full life. Yes, very much so. I sometimes say I'm sort of at the end of a marathon versus a sprint, but yes. So you worked in leadership and strategy roles in e-commerce and digital marketing for, for those 20 years, but I, I don't think you're someone who disliked her work. So why did you want to retire so early, even though you didn't particularly dislike your work? That is a great question, because I often do clarify to people that I don't dislike my work, right? A lot of people will say like, oh, well, I like my job. And I'm like, well, to be clear... I actually really <laughs> liked my job, my multiple different jobs over the years. I was very thankful for them. I was yeah. good at them. And I did, I liked them, right? It made, it, I got a lot of value and benefit out of the way it made me feel to do things at work and to be, especially particularly in, in leadership roles, to you know, be able to help other people on their career journeys yeah. was incredibly rewarding and satisfying. But ultimately, I got to the point where, you know, I have a problem setting boundaries. So half of my bad behavior and bad habits are driven by the demand that's put upon me by work. But half of yeah. it's by my own, right? It's, yeah. No matter what flexibility or balance a job provided me, 
I would go in 120% or 200% or whatever. And so I've always had problems creating and sticking to boundaries and saying no. And I'm a people pleaser at heart. And so for me, it just got to the point where I was tired. I was burnt out. I was getting a little bit jaded, right? I was finally like that person at the company where I just had a jaded view of certain things. I was like, we've tried this before, we've done this. And and I used to, for so long, I was the one that I was like the fixer, you know, I came in and I could create solutions and fix things. And I, you know, I still could do it, but it was, I just didn't have the same kind of zest and energy for it that I once had. So I think it was a mix of, I was tired and burnt out. I was starting to realize that there were just some other things in life that were important to me, right? My kid, I was realizing that, you know, life is fleeting. I was seeing people around me dying at young ages, yeah. getting diagnosed with, you know, serious cancers, all the things that kind of remind you that life is short. Yeah. And I also was looking at my finances and realizing I had other options, right? I didn't have to actually, I didn't have to keep doing this to afford the lifestyle and the things that that made me happy in life. Let's talk about your podcast, Friends on Fire. I, I really recommend that listeners check it out if you're interested in financial independence and early retirement. Mike and Maggie cover a huge range of topics in their conversations. First of all, what made you start the podcast? Well, Mike and I met at work and we realized we had a, a mutual love of personal finance and, and fire and just the idea of financial independence and freedom. And so we would kind of geek out talking about different topics at work, just all over the place around personal finance. And I think we we found so much joy from talking to each other about it. And I personally got a lot of benefit from talking to Mike about it. I hadn't had a lot of open conversations with friends before about money. Yeah. And we just we just started saying like, hey, we should do something together. And we decided a podcast. We were just talking before we started recording about how nobody really wants to talk about finance until you put it out there and say that you're you're happy to talk about these kind of things. And then suddenly everybody wants to talk about finance with you. I, I really like the premise of your podcast, that it's good to talk about these things between friends. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is, to your point, it's one of the premises of why we started it. We felt like we saw the value. And again, I use myself as an example. I don't know if Mike got as much value from me as I got from him. <laughs> I think I think we've both gotten you know different things from each other. Indeed. But we realized and believe that talking about money is good for people and it leads to better relationships, a happier life. Like we, we grew as friends very quickly because we went deep really fast. When you start talking yeah. about financial topics, you go a lot deeper than the surface level discussions that you tend to have with people at work or outside of work. That leads into a big question. How did you do it? How did you manage to retire early? Well, it was a gradual process for me. First off, I've just I've lived below my means for most of my life. So the combination of living below my means, kind of knowing what made me happy and what didn't, and not spending oh, you know, a lot of money. I sp- again, to some people, I probably spend a lot of money, but compared to what I make, oh, I don't spend a lot. And my husband and I don't spend a lot compared to what we make. Yeah. And most of the people that had the types of jobs we had were constantly inflating their lifestyles over the years. And they had bigger houses and fancier cars and put in a swimming pool and, you know, members of country clubs, all these things that we didn't value. Right. And so a lot of it was just how we lived our lives financially. And that was one piece of the puzzle. And then the other one was me finally feeling comfortable to take this plunge and 
kind of what I would call take the road less traveled, which was a, that was yeah. the bigger piece. That was the more difficult piece for me, right? Like saving the money was actually a lot easier. Now I'm in a high income bracket or field or whatever you want to call it. And so it was easier, quote, easier on that front. But it was the, the mindset shift of me walking away from a big title, a big salary, and a quote, yeah. you know, important job where I was valued and I made a positive impact on people's lives every day. And it was just part of my identity, right? And so that piece was more gradual. You know, a few years ago, I told someone at work, fairly senior in HR, that this was the last company I'd work for and that I didn't want to continue to take on any senior roles. I probably had some years left in me, but it was not to continue to advance within the company. It was to find more balance and that I was just, I was burnt out. I was stressed out. I needed to do something different. And they were really helpful and instrumental in shifting me to a different role and a part-time role, which was 80%. So it was still pretty demanding. But I basically shifted to that for a year and a half. And then I finally made the decision with my husband together to say, okay, we're finally ready to take this plunge and do something that quite honestly, I was pretty afraid to do. I'm kind of in it. I've already done it and I'm still afraid of many things. I'm not surprised. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a huge step. There's so much in there that I would love to talk about. I guess my question from what you just said is, why do you think it is the road less traveled? Why do you think people value the country club memberships and the swimming pools and the status of the job over the freedom of yeah. not having to work? Wow, if I knew the answer to that, I would probably <laughs> uh, be, I don't know, doing something else. But I, I think, first off, that's a great question. Like That is the philosophical question. Mm -hmm. that to me is so fascinating. And, you know, I think a lot of it is that is the way we were wired and that's the society we live in. And so that is how we were raised from being babies, right? I look at, you know, I, we have three kids, three daughters, and I look at the influences that are thrown at them every day, right? From ads on TV to when they're watching a YouTube video, ads that pop up when I walk through Target, that there's, you know, end caps with products on them and things being marketed to them. They can't just go in and you know, get the thing they came to get. And so I think, I think it is just how, how we're raised. And, and ironically, I work in marketing. And so it's, it's marketers, it's yeah. advertising, it's the consumeristic society that we are all playing into in some way, myself included, that is just exacerbating the situation. I know you're passionate about minimalism, which is kind of the opposite of what we're talking about, the marketing and the consumerism. So how do you think about minimalism and frugality? Are they different? How do they intersect? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, I think they are different, but I think they intersect to your point. I think the good thing is they go hand in hand. So my view on minimalism is it's more around quality, not quantity. And so you yeah. can still you know, spend money on things and be a minimalist, but it's yeah. about, you know, I don't need a lot of things to make me happy. I like quality things and I like things that will last me a long time. Frugality, I think, is it's it being like intentional with your money. It's not even my kids often will say that we're cheap. And I like to I like to like redefine the and like give them better choices of words, right? Because I think there's a difference between yes. cheap and frugal even. <laughs> cheap is the wrong word for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so frugal even, like I had to look up the definition real quick. It is, you know, simple and plain and costing little or sparing or economical with regard to money or food, right? Like I'm very yeah. thoughtful about what I will or won't spend money on. I really think about it. I think deeply on, is this going to, is a new pair of shoes 
going to actually bring me more happiness and joy in life? Sometimes it is, to be clear. Like, I like a nice pair of shoes. I need a new pair of shoes sometimes. I I think they're both related, right? And if you have a a frugal or a minimalist point of view in life, it's a lot easier to A, just be happy and B, reach some of your financial goals in life. I like the way you mentioned it can be about quality. I always think of my last purchase of a pair of walking boots. I spent three, four hundred dollars on a pair of walking boots. It took me two years to find a decent pair that were very simple. They were just plain leather. They didn't have logos all over them. But they've lasted me 10 years so far, and they'll probably last me another 10 years. So I I get the best of both worlds. I don't pay too much money because 20 years, three, four hundred dollars, that's good value for money. But I get the best pair of walking boots. Yeah, that's a great example. So your early retirement has kind of coincided with inflation rising and the stock market falling. In fact, I'm wondering whether you've maybe caused the economy to crash just by leaving the workforce. <laughs> it seems to be a remarkable coincidence here. So That's fine. how are you handling the, uh, the stress of no longer having a salary? Well, you know, I'll be honest, I haven't quite handled it yet. I think I yeah. still have another paycheck coming. But I've... You know, I've been, well, I've been deferring my compensation for years, which is one of my financial strategies. We have an actual DCP, which is deferred compensation plan. And so I've been living on very little anyway, so I'm already kind of used to it. But it's a huge mind, can mess with your head when you're walking away from a pretty big paycheck during a time when inflation is at its highest and the stock market is at its lowest. And, you know, when I looked at my numbers, when I made this decision, I've got a massively different net worth than I have today as a result of, you know, the stock market reality. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I honestly, I don't look at it and I don't think about it because those are long-term plays to me. Yeah. It has an impact, right? But I really have to try not to let it affect my mindset or my confidence about this because ultimately I had a good bit of wiggle room in all my financial calculations anyways. And I also, you know, remind myself like, look, what's the, the, I love the quote of like, you know, my worst case scenario is everyone else's everyday scenario. So my worst case scenario is someday I go back to work, right? I'm highly reemployable. If I needed to get a job in one year, two years, five years, 10 years, I could, you know, from a hourly job to a salary job and I could keep a roof over my head and keep food on the table if I had to. So I always know I have, you know, a number of backup options. Um, I don't think I'll ever need them because, again, I think like, you know, using the stock market decline, you know, it's a short term thing, even if short term is a few years. Right. That's short term to me. So I'm staying optimistic to. Yeah, absolutely. Just to summarize. I've seen conversations on Twitter over the last few days talking about this. It's like, what are the financial independence retire early people thinking now that inflation is up and the stock market is down? There are some patient replies explaining, yep, it's kind of over the long term that we're looking it's at okay. these things. Yeah. And, you know, the calculations, the three or four percent withdrawal rates are based on kind of some pretty bad case scenarios over history. Yeah. But people like to poke holes in other things for whatever reason. It goes down well on Twitter, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially on Twitter. Yeah. So what happens now? What are you going to do with your life now that you're retired? That's a good question. I am going to do... Whatever I want, whenever I want. I say that, except I'm, 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 I say that half jokingly because my kids expect a lot and take yeah. up a lot of time in, in many different ways. But, you know, I, I have a lot of goals. I have this like quote bucket list, which is a right now it's literally a to do list that has 150 plus things on it. 
of things that I want to do, right? I want to lean into my hobbies and passions. I want to, I'm already pretty healthy and active and fit, but I want to focus more on that side of my life. I want to, I want to just take care of myself. I want to put me first more. I've been putting another company first for about 20 years. And I want to put me first. And by putting me first, that sometimes means putting my mom first and my family and my brother and my spouse and my kids and my friends. And and so I, I just wanna I wanna have a more leisurely life and I wanna be able to catch up with people and I mean we my husband and I saw somebody that we really enjoy and hadn't seen in a couple years since pre COVID. We saw him the other night at an event at our kids' school and we always do the like, oh, we should catch up and grab a drink. And usually we're just so busy. Yeah. We don't we kind of meet we truly mean it when we say it, but if nobody like initiates it. And we're yep. both too stressed to initiate it on both ends. <laughs> but but we were both like, we are not walking out of here tonight till we pick a date and put it on the calendar. And and I I now feel like I have the margin to do things like that in life, like to see the people I want to see and to spend time with them. And I want to do some woodworking. My I my dad was really handy and I have a lot of his old tools and I've always been fairly handy. I want to build furniture. I want to I want to try things, right? I want to try them out, see if I like them. I want to keep doing the podcast with Mike and spend more time on that. I'll do a lot of different things. We're going to travel with the kids this summer for a couple months and um, we're just going to know, we're going to we're going to explore and lean into different things, see if we like it, lean in, lean out yeah. based on what we learn. I've got one last question for you, Maggie. How have you talked to your kids about your financial independence? That is a good question. We talk pretty openly about finances in our house. The one thing we don't talk openly about, which I don't even remember asking my parents this when I was a kid, but my kids frequently ask us how much money we make. And we're always like, you know, there's just no reason you need to know the exact amount of money we make. I'm not sure you'd even know what to do with that number. I don't think you would know what that number buys you in life anyways. And so they always give us a hard time that we won't share that number. But we talk very openly about everything else, right? We're, we're very communicative yeah. when why we will or won't buy them something, what we value and, and how we think about money and how we save money. And even when we get, we've started giving them allowance and when we give them, you know, encouraging them to think about saving a portion and, and being very thoughtful about kind of how they spend their money. And I think, you know, quite honestly, the biggest thing they see is they, they see us being thoughtful in, in how we do and don't spend money. And then they see yeah. us talking about those decisions in front of them. And another big thing I would say, which I have to be cautious in like how we talk about this in front of them, but kids will frequently point to someone, like they'll talk about some kid at school and they will like, oh, well, his dad drives a G-Wagon, which I don't even think I knew what a G-Wagon was, high-end <laughs> Mercedes apparently. And okay. <laughs> so they'll say like, oh, that kid's rich. And I remind them, I'm like, hey, just, or they'll point to a house and say like, that person's rich. Yeah. And we're always yeah. like, what you see on the outside doesn't necessarily that I were like, well, that person could be highly in debt. They might not actually yeah. own that car. They might be borrowing it and paying a small payment on it each month. They could be really leveraged. And so we, we explain that. We have to be cautious because sometimes they're like, are you saying they're in debt? And I'm like, that's not what I said. I said, yes. <laughs> you don't know what, like what you see on the outside does not mean that they are rich. And so don't make those judgments about people either way. Right. Don't look at yes. someone in a small house and think that they don't have a lot of money. You know, it's the old like millionaire next door concept. And so we, we talk very openly, but sometimes kids are kids are very smart and inquisitive. And so sometimes when we talk so yeah. openly about money, we like back ourselves into a corner on different points they make. And we've got to be we got to be careful. 
Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's very exciting that you are finally free of work. And I really appreciate you making the time to talk to me in this very busy transition time for you. And please let Mike know that I'd love to have him on the Quit Work podcast anytime too, but he's going to have to hurry up and retire. So I just let him know that. <laughs> That's awesome. I will let him know. So listeners, if you'd like to connect with Maggie, you can find Maggie and Mike at www.friendsonfire.org or on Instagram at friends.onfire. And you can find their podcast by searching for Friends on Fire in your podcast player. Maggie, thanks so much for joining me on the Quit Work Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having us on and it was, it was great to finally meet you in person also. Thanks for listening to the Quit Work Podcast. I love talking to people who have taken the bold step of quitting their job to start living their true life. Join me for a fresh conversation every week. Subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel at quitworkprojects.com. And if you have any comments on this episode, or if you'd like to tell your own Quit Work story, I'd love to hear from you. Contact me at quitworkprojects.com or on Twitter or Instagram at quitworkproject. I hope you too find your way to quitting work and living your true life.